Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 down through verse 20. When you get there, you can say amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery dots of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray with me, please. Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. Father, we cast down thoughts and imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Father, I thank you, Father, for the privilege to stand this morning to minister the riches of your word. Father, I feel so inadequate in your presence. I recognize the holiness of this moment. I recognize, Father, the sacredness of this moment. Because you said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will endure forever. This is the same word that you have entrusted to us. Father, I pray that you would baptize me in the Holy Spirit afresh. Fill me up this morning, Father. Use my mind, my mouth, my lips to speak that which you would have me to speak. None of me and all of you and all God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of the unseen battle. How many of you believe and realize that you're in a battle? Can I have a show of hands? And for those who did not put your hands up, you will realize after the conclusion of this message that you really are in a battle. The biggest challenge for pastors and leaders and those of us who teach the word is not to convince the saints that Satan exists. I believe that most, if not all believers, know that Satan exists. Amen? But we do have problems sometimes identifying his work. We have problems understanding how he works in our lives. So oftentimes the enemy, he comes, the Bible says, to kill, to steal, and to destroy our lives. 
And he never, ever stops at that. He is relentless. And I think about those of us and those of you all who are in military or have military experience, you recognize the importance of understanding your enemy. And if for some reason you don't fully understand your enemy, how many know it's very, very difficult to fight him? Now, let me, let me preface my message by saying this. I am not one of those flaky pastors that believe that everything is, is because the devil did it. You ever met those people? You know, you know y'all, y'all may not remember, but there used to be a guy named Flip Wilson. And he used to always say, the devil made me do it. Okay? And, and, and let's, just, let's, just, let's just kill that right now. So we're not talking about that. Because how many know that there's some things that we do, and we do it because we do it, and the devil had really nothing to do with it? But I don't want to discard the reality of the fact that the enemy is at work in your life. He wants to try to destroy your life, and it's not just about you. Let that sink in for a moment. Because in your world, the only thing that really matters is what's in front of you, right? But it's much bigger than that. What the enemy wants to do is greater, far greater than you can ever imagine. And we're going to talk about that here this morning. Our church, I think we have an incredible church, amen? And God has been working and moving mightily in our ministry. But I am not ignorant to realize that the enemy is going to attack us. You've heard me say this before, and it's worth saying again. There's no way that we can make a determination that we're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, see people's lives uh, delivered from drugs, addiction, uh, you know, fear, doubt, unbelief, mental ill. There's no way that the enemy will stand by and say, okay, church people, y'all go for it. How many know he's going to try to stop that? He don't want to see you delivered. He don't want to see this message going forth. He don't want to see people's lives transformed. He don't want to see families healed. That's not what he wants. He loves division. He loves to tear things apart. He specializes in wrecking stuff. That's what he does. So we must, as the people of God, understand that all of our lives All of our lives are interconnected. And what do I mean by that? Satan Satan just don't attack you when you come to church on Sunday. He don't just attack you when you read your Bible. Satan attacks you when you're on your job, when you're in this grocery store, when you're hanging out with family, with friends. Every aspect of your life is all spiritual. Let me me put it to you this way. Satan knows, how many know that if your family is messed up, how many know it affects how you do things in the kingdom of God? If you got a bad marriage, how many know that that affects how things work in the kingdom for you? How many know if your children are messed up, that that has an effect on what? The kingdom and ultimately what God wants to do because if your kids are messed up, you're going to be really, really overly and concerned about that. And rightly so, because you want to try to fix them. If you're having problems on your job, if, if, if you're struggling to, to make ends meet, how many of you know that Satan, he wants all of those things to be in turmoil? 
And sometimes as believers, we fail to recognize that the enemy is attacking you. Not, it's not just about your job. It's not just about how much money you have. It's about something far more greater. People fail to recognize that Satan is after people. This was a warfare that started way in the heavenlies before you and I got here. This started way back when Satan decided that he wanted to rebel against God. And so let's talk a little bit this morning about Satan. The word Satan in its original definition means an adversary. How many know he is an adversary? And in this general understanding, it is used to point out to us the chief. How many know? How many, just say this with me. He's the chief of devils. He was found guilty by trying to raise his throne above the stars of God and was trying to make himself equal with the Most High. This is what we're dealing with. And because of that rebellion, Satan was kicked out of heaven. In fact, Jesus said, I saw, heaven, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was thrown out. He was booted out because of his rebellion against God. And the Bible says in Revelation, woe, woe, woe unto you, inhabitants on the earth, because he's come down to the earth having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Are you hearing me this morning? The devil knows that it's time. Aren't you glad this morning that your God controls all things? So we don't need to fear the devil. We don't need to be worried about the devil. But we need to be aware of his tactics. We need to be careful about how we treat each other, careful about decisions that we make because there's something always behind the scenes that's trying to drive us away from the things of God. Are you hearing me this morning? So Satan, he deceived our first parents. You know who our first parents was? Adam and Eve. As we said before, how many know that that piece of fruit that they ate, it wasn't about the fruit. Satan was going after the nations. He plunged because of that rebellious act. The whole world has been plunged into sin. Isn't it amazing how Satan dangled things in front of you? We're going to show you in a moment that he has not changed his tactics. One iota. In the New Testament, he goes by titles, different titles. He, he's known as the evil one, the prince of the power of the air. He is a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. He is the enemy of God and all goodness. He is a hater of all truth. Do you hear me? He is full of hatred, envy, and revenge. Yet Satan is powerful. He was allowed even to tempt Jesus. And if God would allow Satan to have his way, <laughs> he would be able to turn this world upside down. Probably even to pull the sun out of his orbit. You remember Job? how that the Bible says that Job was a righteous man and that God unleashed and God permitted Job, permitted Satan to attack Job. And you know how quickly, when, when God said, okay, you can do this, did you see how quickly Satan went after Job? Took his family, his property, and all, and, uh, just a moment, just went after him. That, how many know if it were not for the grace of God, none of us would be sitting here. You ought to thank God right now and say, Lord, I thank you for holding back the forces of evil. You're here today, and you're saved today because Jesus protects you. 
He keeps the enemy off your back. Aren't you glad to know that? He has the remarkable ability to use his cleverness against mankind. He waits for opportunities to deceive us since God doesn't allow him to just take us by force. The Bible says that he is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. He's the father of lies. Every untruth, every deception, it all originated from Satan. He's the father of lies. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He creates and dwells in places of confusion, doubt, pride, and self-willed people. His chief vehicle is the spirit of rebellion. Everybody say rebellion. rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is like the, the sin of witchcraft. If you're a person that, are, that is naturally prone to, and to resist authority, you can best believe that Satan is on, you're on his high priority list because he sees that that is what you like to do. The spirit of rebellion, if you're one of those who love to rebel, you're operating in the spirit of Satan. I'm talking about good things. Rebellion, he's a spirit of rebellion. He was booted out of heaven because he rebelled against the authority of God. And so now he comes down now with this agenda because he knows that his time is almost up. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to wreck everything that has anything to do with God. And how many know that if you're saved this morning, you have everything to do with God? And, and alert, alert, Satan does not like you. You are on his target list. Now, you don't need to fear because the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we're not to fear Satan. But you know when you're in a battle, you need to know how he works. You need to understand what he's up to so that you can position yourself to fight. There are too many Christians who don't know how to fight because they don't know what they're fighting. And the enemy knows that. And so he wants to keep us blinded. He wants to keep us ignorant. He wants to keep us out of the word. He wants to keep us out of fellowship. He wants to keep us isolated so that he can continue to run a rush shot all over our life. But we're here today to say the devil is a liar because we're people I refuse to pastor an ignorant church. And what I mean by that is I'm pastoring a church of folk that are raised up who know this book, who can defend the word of God, and who can understand the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, as the sister said it earlier today during praise and worship. So Ephesians chapter 6, let's go there with me, if you will. I think you're already there. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Now everybody knows the armor is used to fight, to defend. You don't put on armor unless you're in harm's way. Do you hear me this morning? You are in harm's way. And the devil spends an awful lot of time telling you that you're not. Most Christians don't really think. They think, oh, things that happen in our life, it's just the way that it happens. It's just chance. It just kind of happened that way. No, 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 no. He said put on the full armor of God. In other words, Paul is telling the Ephesian church that you better put on your armor because you're going to be attacked. Your family, your relationships, your church. Put on the full armor of God. 
Prepare yourself for battle. Look at your neighbor and say, are you prepared? Prepare yourself for battle. That we may be able to stand against the wiles of Satan. That word wiles is the same word for schemes. And I used to play in sports. We used to always, you know, when I played uh, football and all that, and we would, coaches would always try to draw up schemes to try to defeat the enemy. How many know that the devil is full of schemes? In other words, he's always working behind the scenes to try to mess up things. He's always trying to, how many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you, you can have periods of time when things are going well in your life and everything's going good. Then every time you seem like things are working good, something always crazy happens, and you're kind of left standing like, what is this? I can tell you this. Let me, let me, let me say this to you. I have been, um, I've been in church leadership for many years, but I had no idea what I was getting into until I became a senior pastor. Let me tell you something. I have seen spiritual warfare and attacks like I've never seen. It's amazing. I was out golfing with one of my pastor brothers the other day, and we were talking. It's amazing. When you sit down and listen to us talk, it's as if we visit each other churches every Sunday. I'm like, wow, man. And, 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 I, and you know that there's a spiritual correlation. And I'm sitting there like, wow, you're dealing with that too. You, are you serious? You're going, what? Wow. I've seen things. If, if I were to sit here and tell you some of the things that me and my wife had to endure, you'd be like, how in the world are you still doing this? Why would you put yourself through that? Because I was called to do it, and I can't do nothing else. I'm on lockdown. In Jesus' name. I'm on lockdown. Nobody will put themselves in harm's way on purpose. It's easy for you to sit back in that chair and criticize the pastor. It's the easiest thing to do in the world, but you need to walk in my shoes to see what, what we're talking about here. Because when you're on the front line, the enemy, when you're really trying to make a, a difference, the enemy comes at you with a, I'm telling you, he has come at us ferociously. And I'm still standing and still preaching the gospel. He was, I mean, I was up preparing for this message, and he was messing with me then. How many know that he's a deceiver? How many know he's a liar? He's always developing schemes. He's always trying to conjure up something. There's always something working, no matter what happens with the people of God. There's something that's always trying to pull you back. And if you're a child of God this morning, I want you to know, and if you're really trying to make a difference in the kingdom, then you can expect to be attacked. Amen. How does that make you feel? The enemy don't have to do much with some folk because some folk just walk according to his will. So he don't have to do much. But with folks who are deciding that, you know what, I want to make a difference for Jesus. I want to get as many people in the kingdom of heaven as I possibly can before I leave this earth. That's where I am right now. I don't have a lot of time because I know my time is short. And so I want to spend my time bringing in as many as I can. I have you know the enemy will love to dangle other things in front of me to get me off of that course. And he does the same thing to you. He dangles. He fools with the people of God. I believe that sometimes it's like the people of God is, are, are, is like on a yo-yo and you can't figure out what's wrong with me. Why do I keep going through this emotional roller coaster? What, what's going on with me? He's a schemer. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. The Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's very, very hard to recall that verse because 
It's hard for you to look at a person that's mistreated you, that's abused you. It's hard for you to look at that person and not blame them for everything wrong in your life. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Amen. But the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what the book says. So some of the biggest challenges you're having, that if you think it's about that individual, how many of you got people on your job that just drive you nuts? How many of you got people that you just, let's be honest, that, that you just, you almost hate them? But here's the problem with that. When you walk in that spirit, you're walking according to the spirit of the enemy. And God cannot use you, and you're blind. You know, when you walk in darkness, you, have a, you, you trip. And if it's a little bit of darkness, as great as that darkness, it will blind you. The people of God must make it a top priority to forgive and love people, no matter what they do. The Bible says God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave. And he says that you and I are reconcilers. We have been reconciled to God, and so the Bible declares that we are ambassadors for Christ. So now we're to take that same forgiveness, that same love, that same grace, and we are to go and share it with other people and, and live it before them. And I know it's hard, but the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So I see, see there, there are things behind the scenes, principalities and rulers of darkness in high places. See, the enemy has a structure in how he does things. There is spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers. That means someone who has authority. How many know the enemy has authority? He has rank. He has structure. That's why you can go to certain cities, certain places, and you know that certain sins are prevalent in different places that you travel, not only in America but throughout the earth. Because I believe that there are, de there are demons that are assigned to certain places, demons that are assigned to certain areas. Because you're wrestling is is principality, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why God said. God told me. God told me a few weeks ago. He said. I want you to develop a strong intercessory team. A strong intercessory team. Why? Because we need people that know how to strategically. It's almost like the intercessory team. How many know are familiar with the Navy SEALs? That's like the, guy, the guys that went in and took out Bin Laden. See, you don't call the Navy SEALs unless you got a top-notch job. See, they're, they're more strategic in how they do things. They're able to get in there and see what's where the problem really is. You know what I'm saying? And they're able to cut the enemy out. How many know that we need to cut the enemy off? Because he's going to attack. No church, no family, no individual that is intent on serving God is going to be exempt from the enemy trying to wreak havoc in your life. It's par for the course, if you will. In golf terms. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Y'all still with me? Stay with me. I miss my sister Regina this morning. She used to say, amen. So somebody got to take up the slack. We're missing a couple of ameners in here today. Folks that helped me preach. Hallelujah. When you get there, say amen. amen. Be sober. Be vigilant. 
Peter is warning the church to be sober and to be vigilant. How many know that the people of God must be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? To be sober is not to be intoxicated with the world. And we're not talking about things that are sin, because most people think the first thing they think about in this particular instance is sin. It's not necessarily talking about sin. There are a lot of things that you can do that are fine. They're good to do. But if, if, if it causes you not to discern and understand what's going on around you spiritually, I mean, you know, you may need to step back from that. Come you know, we need to be sober, which means that we need to be watching, watchful. We need to be vigilant. As Jesus said to the disciples, watch and what? Pray. We need to be watching and we need to be praying. How many know the enemy never stops? The enemy never really take a break. And the Bible says that, that the enemy, when he was tempting Jesus, the Bible says that he left Jesus for a season. But you better believe that when he left him for that season, he was still watching him. How many know the enemy got his eyes on you? He left Jesus for a season. The Bible says we need to be sober, we need to be vigilant. You know, when you're sober, you, you're kind of like you're, you got your wits about you. You can understand. How many of you have ever been drunk? Don't raise your hand if you don't want to. <laughs> you know what it's like to be drunk. How many of you did some things that you wish you would have never did? Come on. How many of you woke up in some place you're like, how did I get here? And, and you, you were sober. You would have never did those things. But because you were drunk, you did some things that you normally wouldn't do. See, when you're not sober, you're not as sharp. Certainly not spiritually. Be vigilant. And be determined to be watchful. Why do we need to be that way? Because your adversary, your adversary, the devil goes about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Kind of a picture of that little, little animal, whether it's a cub or whatever. That's kind of, you know, they kind of leave mom and dad. You ever seen those little animals? Those lions or cubs or whatever. And there's the, the wildebeest and all the other animals that's going, that's looking for food. And all of a sudden you see that one little one that kind of like leaves the pack. And it's kind of wondering, how many know the enemy is always looking for the young and the inexperienced? He's always looking for the weak and the vulnerable. And particularly, you young believers, you better listen up. He's definitely going after you because you're still trying to solidify your foundation. And he looked for those who are isolated. He looked for those who are young. He looks for those who are weak. And what does he do? He crouches. And he sneaks up. And before you can realize what happened, it's too late. He's already got his teeth in you. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant, because your devil, how many know he got a big mouth too? And he got a strong roar. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, and he's seeking to devour you. He's not, he's not seeking to just wound you. How many know if the enemy had his way, you would be dead? If it were not for the grace of God, you wouldn't be sitting, none of us would be. We would be dead. If the Satan had his way, he would take every one of you out, especially you God-fearing, holified, sanctified church folk who love God and who preach Jesus. He hates you because you got Jesus all on the inside of you. 
He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. But everybody say, resist. The Bible says in James, resist the devil and he will what? Flee. That means resist me to stand firm. And how many know that sometimes all of us have seasons in our life where it seems like the the resistance is going on for a real long time? If you've been living for a while, you know what I'm talking about. You've been waiting on God to move. You've been waiting for things to happen, and you've been standing in there, and you've been resisting, and you've been waiting, and you've been dealing with this person. You've been dealing with these people. You've been dealing with this issue for months and for years, and you've been resisting. I want to encourage you today, keep resisting and keep standing firm. Resist the devil. Resist the temptation to do what God don't want you to do. Because how do you know that's all the enemy wants you to do anyway? He wants you to do what God doesn't want. And how do you know what God has for you is best for you? Amen. Don't you know that God loves you? Don't you know when he gives you a command, he's not giving you a command like because he's a killjoy or he don't want you to enjoy your life. God gives you a command to protect you. He loves you. How do you know that he knows better about what he knows about you? He knows what's really good for you. The reality is you don't really know what's good for you. You think you know. You don't know nothing. As we are. He knows what's really best for you and me. We don't. So we got to learn how to trust him. And Lord, this is hard. Lord, I'm tempted. I want to go back to this lifestyle. I want to go back into this situation. Lord, it's hard for me. This woman just keep on bothering me. Lord, I'm getting weak. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to stand I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist the temptation to go back into the world. I'm going to resist the temptation to lash out at the person who's offending me. I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to hold my temper. I'm going to do it the way you want me to do it. How many know that's a blessing? You incur the favor and the blessing of God when you operate his way. Look at the neighbor and say, do it God's way. We all need to do it God's way. So resist him firmly in faith. Resist. And the devil ultimately will free from you. Now, look with me at Matthew chapter 16. Come on, run there with me. When you get there, you can say amen. Y'all talk to me this morning. Y'all are awfully quiet. Thank you so much. I told y'all when y'all talk back, I preach better. I say, Pastor didn't preach a good word. I'm going to say, because you kept your mouth shut. You didn't help me. I'm going to put it back on you. Hallelujah. You're in Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse number 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside. Now I want you to get that. Peter took Jesus aside. (laughs) Peter took Jesus. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Jesus, I know you heal folk. And I know you've done some incredible, amazing things, but you missed it on this one, Jesus. Jesus, you are really wrong on this one. 
Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, watch this, Get behind me, Satan. Who is he talking to? Did Peter turn, did Peter become something else? Talk to me. Did Peter become something else? Then why is Jesus saying Satan to him? You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now you must understand something. Satan, well, let's say Peter. How many know Peter was sincere? Peter loved Jesus. I know people like to criticize Peter, you know, how Peter. Peter loved, I, I wish I was half the man Peter was. Peter, Peter, Peter was radical. Peter would be the one to step out there when everybody else would watch. Peter said, Lord, bid me. I want to come walk on the water too. I didn't see nobody else doing that. Tells you what kind of man Peter was. Because I don't know. I can't swim. I don't know if Peter could swim or not, but, you know, I know he was a fisherman and all that, but, but Peter was, hey, Lord, let me, I want to do it like you. Peter loved God. He was passionately in love with Jesus. He had spent time with him. He, he don't want to see his master go. He don't want to see Jesus die. He, he, he loves Jesus. He is sincere about this thing. Jesus, you did this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, you need to come over here and we need to talk because something is wrong with you, Jesus. And Jesus... says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, let me drop this on you real quick. As a Christian, I don't believe that Christians can be demon-possessed. But I do believe that Satan can use Christians and they not know it. That Satan can manipulate Christians and they not know it. There are a lot of believers who have, they are very sincere because, because, because to, to Peter, all he cared about was, I don't want you to die. But Jesus was on a whole different level. Jesus said he had been dropping seeds all along, right? He said, look, I've come to die. I've come to give my life. I'm coming to lay it down. But Peter didn't see that. All Peter could see was what was important to him. You cannot die. Everybody say big picture. You know most of the things that church folks fight about today, there's things that are legitimate, but a lot of stuff that church folks fight about ain't worth nothing. It has nothing to do with the broader picture of are we winning lives, are we winning souls, are we changing lives? Is the kingdom of God being expanded? We want to argue about the color of this and this and that. And I mean, no, Satan loves to dangle things in front of us. Did he not do it with Adam and Eve? Look at the fruit. Go ahead, take it. 
Satan wasn't about just the fruit. How many know Satan was about you? He was thinking all the, how many know Satan don't play fair? See, there's always something bigger than he's after. How many know he's, he's, he's a sneaky devil? He's dirty. It ain't just about that person that you don't like on your job. Satan wants to get you out of that job. He wants to get you to react so you can get fired and that you have a difficult time being able to do anything else. You find, that, that, in other words, Peter was, had tunnel vision. How many of Christians sometimes get tunnel vision? Am I right about it? We get told of it. We just see, well, this is important to me. This is important to me. This is important to me. And you don't even see. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. There is something bigger. Peter, open your eyes. You are sincere, Peter. I understand. But you don't understand, Peter. I'm called to die. I have to do this because God was seeing you and me. And Jesus needed to be up on that cross so that we can have life. But isn't it amazing how Satan was working through Peter and Peter didn't have a clue? I imagine that Peter's probably sitting there saying, there's a lot of Christians who Satan used and they don't even know it. They're like, I'm good. Look at the neighbor and say, big picture. You see how sneaky Satan is? You see how conniving he is. How many, how many, now I want you to think about it in your own life. Think about how many times Satan has gotten you or tried to get you off course over things that at the end of the day you look back now and realize, you know what, that really wasn't all, what was this all about? See, Satan wants, see, as I said before, Satan wants you to hold on to unforgiveness. He don't want you, and it's not just about you and that person, it's about your family. It's about generations. Satan is after generations. He's just not, it ain't just about you. It's not just about what you like and what you don't like. Satan wants something bigger. You need to be asking the question, hold up. You need some, how many know every now and then we need to have an out-of-body experience? You know what I mean. You know, Paul, Paul had one of those, you know. Paul was caught up in third heaven. He said, I saw things I can't even talk about. And we just need to step out and take a look and say, hold on, let me, let me, let me step back. How many know every now and then we need to step back? Before you decide to go off on that boss, you better step back. <laughs> Before you decide to walk out of that relationship, you better step back and think about the consequences and ask yourself, what, what is the enemy? How does this fit in the overall scheme of God? We need to ask ourselves that. So that we can ensure that, 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 that we're walking according to the spirit. That we're seeing. And that we don't get caught up in small matters. Everybody say small matters. Peter did not understand that when Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus was speaking to that spirit, that unseen battle. We don't really know what was in the mind of Satan. But we know that Satan was somehow trying to keep Jesus from suffering the way that Jesus needed to suffer. And Jesus called him out. How many know that when you walk with God in the spirit, God will reveal things to you? How do you believe God still talks today? God still speaks today. He's, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
I'm like, Lord, speak to me. Show me, God, what you want me to do. God, help me to stay grounded, Lord, so that I can see. How many know if you're a good man, if you're, if you're a man, and that's why a good man, if you're a father, you need to be praying for your family. You need to be up and you need to be watching. It is a shame for a man of God to have, have his kids and everybody else to come and wake him up and get out of bed and come to church. You need to be up on your knees praying and watch because you, listen, you're supposed to be out there leading the charge. Watching over your family. Making sure that they're grounded. Making sure that the enemy don't come in. You know, and, and I, had, I, had a, my, I had a cousin the other day, my, my little niece, and I'm almost done. Y'all just bear with me for a second. I had a little niece, and, 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 and she said to me, you know, she said, I ain't going to tell y'all who she is, but she said she ain't here, so that's good. So she says to me, uh, Uncle Gary, can you drop me off at my boyfriend? Now, according to the world, you know, the way the world thinks today, people think in the world, hey, you know what, hey, it's just, she's an adult, right? She's 20. She's an adult. And, you know, just drop, I, I said, uh, and, and something in my spirit say no. I said, no. I, I said, I, I, I'm not going to take you to some guy's house. I don't, I don't know who that is. And he hasn't come around. And you've been on the phone trying to reach him for three days, and every time you turn, his car been broke down. I said, I'm sorry, Uncle Gary loves you too much. You know why? And I said, see, I'm watching. See, how many know the people of God need to have wisdom? We need to have wisdom. We need to make our decisions carefully. Take take a step back. Say, okay, wait, 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 okay. Um, Do what? No, I'm not doing that. Because I am not going to be a party to somebody Falling or being a, a prey to the enemy. I am not, and I tell my kids all the time, and, it, it, and it's hard for them. Y'all know pastor kids, it's hard for them. It's really hard for them because, because they think that I am, they think that I don't, I don't cut them no slack. If you were to talk to them, they think they're in prison. Go have a, go have a talk to them. They'll think, they, think that, they think that I'm the worst dad in the world. You go talk to them, go talk to them. I give you permission, go talk, ask them about that. They say, he, dad don't give me no because I see things in the spirit and they don't. They're not looking at it from that angle. And you got to be discerning and understanding that then, well, I'm not going to walk you up in anything. I remember the Bible said the wise man foresees the evil and what? Hides himself. So if you're a wise man, you got to be discerning and ask a couple more questions. Now for some of us, we don't want to do that because we don't want to get involved. Because it's easier just to say, go. But we don't know what we're getting people into. Remember what we said? Satan uses even Christians. And I ain't going to drive you to an area where somehow, and I said, I said, to her, I said if somewhere to happen to you, and, and I, do, I will feel some kind of, t- no, I can't do that. But you won't, you can have, come, you come meet me. I mean, no, you got you to have discernment that way. See, that's why, see, that was for somebody that was wise. So take that and run with it. And if you haven't experienced it yet, your kids, watch. Your kids grow up and they just try, and you got to watch for them. You got to watch. Well, so we're almost done. Can we have two more minutes? Okay, five more minutes. All right, I'm going to do this real quick. Um, Well, here's what I want you to do, because I can't do this, but I want you to go back and I want you to look at, we may have to do it in a separate message, the full armor of God, where where it says there, where it talks about the breastplate, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belongings good, because I really want to go over that, but I don't have time. But I want to give you some things. To take, to take with you, and how to combat and recognize the attacks of the enemy, of Satan, okay? Um, so 
The first one is you want to put on the full armor of God. Go and study that in and, 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 and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. I want you to read that and decipher what the full armor of God means. How many know that it's important to know to put on the right stuff? Number two, pray that God reveals the big picture in truth. Pray. How many got a strong prayer life? If you're not a serious prayer warrior, you're not serious about church things. I'm sorry. You, if you don't have a strong prayer life, you have not come to a revelation of how important that is. I cannot tell you, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. How many know we can't do nothing without God's help? Prayer is really asking for God's help and communicating with him. You, we ain't going to be able to do nothing without prayer. I promise you. It don't work. I've tried it. I've tried things on my own, and every time I fail, and I know that when I, I know when I'm falling and I'm failing in something because I have not prioritized prayer in my life. How many know we need to come to prayer and we need to participate in what God is doing? You need to pray. We need to talk to God. Number three is talking about dealing with the enemy. It's communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, one of the things the enemy does is he works in secrecy and deception, right? One of the things I, f I found out is that the more we talk and get at the truth, how I many know the devil's a liar? He's always lying. And a lot of times you sit down and talk to people, you really have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with them, you realize, you know what? This wasn't what I thought it was. How I many know he's a deceiver? Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. See, fellowship, we have a picnic next week. Don't, listen, come to the picnic, and then when you come to the picnic, find somebody to talk to, fellowship with, and share with about what's going on in your life so that we know how to pray together and help one another. That's another pair of eyes for you, if you know what I mean, because we all don't see like we should. Number four, avoid isolation from the saints. Number five, forgive no matter how hard. How do you know when you walk in the spirit of unforgiveness, you are, the devil use you all the time. He can, he can use you whenever he wants because that bitterness will eat you up. So even if I offend you, just forgive me, right? So I forgive you, Pastor. Okay, nobody want to say it. So I guess nope, everybody's okay. All right. Pray often and follow the word. Pray often, we say that. Follow the word. And watch this. Lastly, keep a sweet spirit and a great attitude. Keep a great attitude and a sweet spirit. Don't let people cause you. How many know when you get angry? The Bible says a wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Whenever you lose control, I know sometimes, how many of you have ever lost control? It ain't a godly thing. When you lose control, you're dangerous. You're dangerous. We need to fear losing control. I like being in control of my emotions. I do. Amen. I like being in control of my spirit, and I don't let nobody get me in the tizzy. And people will try. How many know the devil will test you, especially if you're hot-tempered? When you hot-tempered people, you better watch out. Because the devil going to come right at you because he knows you got a bad temper. Boy, he's going to work for you to get you all fired up and get you mad. Because then we operate outside the will of God. And now Satan is using us, if for no other reason, to say that, see, them church people, stay away from them. They're crazy. I mean, he's a lot. That's, how he, that's what he does. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Father, we thank you this morning for your word of truth. We thank you, Father God for your son. Father, we thank you for your word.
God, will you please forgive us? Please forgive us, Lord, for those times, Father God, when we've acted out of our flesh. Forgive us, Father, in those times, Father God, when we fail to recognize what's really important. Sometimes we get so fixated on our emotions, our feelings, and we miss, Father God, what's really, really important. Will you please help us to see, help our eyes to be open to truth. I never want to close a service without inviting people to come to Christ. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you haven't given your life to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He died that you might have life. Ever since I gave my life to him, my life has been so full and so rich. It's the greatest life. It is the best life. And I will never go back. I will never go back. By the grace of God, I will never go back. If you're sitting here this morning and you know you don't have assurance that if you die today, you don't know if you'll go to heaven or not. You, you, you're not sure. I want to give you an opportunity today to know and to be certain. If you don't know Jesus today, you say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know what will happen to me when I die. I really don't. I want to be saved. I want to know I have salvation. I want to know that I'm right with him. If that's you this morning, please slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. This is not about anybody else. Don't worry about what other people are saying or thinking. Everybody here is about. This is between you and God. If you don't know him, if you don't, if you're not certain this morning, slip your hand up. We want to give you that opportunity to come. The Bible says that there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. It says there's joy, exceeding joy, over one sinner that gives their life to Jesus. He loves you. He wants to save you from a world of wrath, wickedness, and unrighteousness don't know him today, please slip your hand up and give your life to him. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you recognize and you realize that you've been a pawn of Satan. That maybe that you've acted out and you've made some decisions. You've done some things according to the flesh and you now regret it. You now at least realize that the enemy has, has deceived you. I want to give you an opportunity to just to, to pray right in the seat where you are and just confess to God if he's shown you an area or areas then acknowledge to God and ask him to help you ask him to help you time to segue into our communion. Communion is a time, it's a, it's a sacred moment that we do, that all Christians, communion is for Christian believers, symbolizes our desire and our love for Jesus and the fact that we are waiting for his return. The Corinthian church did not understand the sacredness of the moment, and many of them, when they took communion, they took it for granted. This is a time for us to commune. This is a time for us to remember his goodness, his grace. It's a time for us to reflect on his return. 
And so we want to give you an opportunity to commune with him. So take a moment, search your heart. If there's any sin, any unforgiveness, anything inside of your heart that is not right, take a moment and pray. Is there another brother or sister that you're bothered by, angry about, angry with, whatever the case might be? Before we take communion, we want to make sure that we have a pure heart. Take a moment and search your heart and ask the Lord to reveal to you anything in your heart that may not be right. side, we have this side to get up and insert themselves, followed by the middle section and then the section on my right. You may come now, serve yourselves. And we'll go back to our seats and then we'll take communion together. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you so much. You were wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes we are healed today. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Shall we eat together? In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, we thank you for your blood. Thank you, Father, for your blood that will never lose its power. Your blood that washed us, cleansed us forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. You're the perfect sacrifice. You fulfilled the requirement of the law that was in opposition to us because of our own sins. Father, we love you so much. We thank you as we remember your grace. Thank you for your love. Shall we drink together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pass those over to your right or to your left. Your ushers will come and they will collect those. Why don't we give God a praise for Jesus, amen? Let's stretch our hands to the Lord. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before his throne with his exceeding joy. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, power. For he rules, have all authority over all things. Father, will you live through us, empower us, and live a life that reflects your character in the earth. May your grace comfort us, strengthen us every day of our lives. Father God, may you reveal yourself to us in ways that will catapult us into our destiny. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you the glory. And all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless. See you next week.